I left the city, I've been browsed. Treading water that they drown. I head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Guys, we're bringing you a treat tonight. You know, we always talk Dynasty. We just got done talking about a year one punt, rebuilds, all those fun things. Tonight, we're talking redraft, baby. Like, we are going to do a redraft, mock draft, Smash Accept style with my man Snoog and my man, man, Mung. Snoog, it's, we're almost there, man. Like, we've been doing this, this process. We've been talking about Dynasty so much. Tonight's podcast, straight redraft, you know, and I, I know we want to talk about different principles with redraft, how we look at it, and how do you take what you've been doing since February, right? Because we've been doing everything at Smash Except since February until now we're in August. Now it's like we got to change that that thinking process. Yeah, so it's hype preseason right now. Peak of the time right now we're rolling around on a month away from the football season. I saw 23 days away from Week one when we see Jameer Gibbs absolutely toast the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football. But preseason's preseason. I mean, we just had a running back frenzy happen yesterday with Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook signing, ruining our dreams for Brees Hall and Ramondre Stevenson. But now's your opportunity to buy low in Dynasty and in redraft. Those ADPs are going to fall, and we got to take advantage of those values on some elite running backs. But just the transition from February, working on a lot of the rookie stuff, transitioning into a lot of post-rookie draft stuff and dynasty trades. Now we're going all in on best ball and redraft because this is the season where everybody wants to make money and start drafting some fantasy football teams. I'm sure everybody's buddies at works and your brothers and your sisters are drafting fantasy football teams and we're the guys to go to for advice. I love it. We've been doing a lot of uh, draft assistance in the Patreon, you know, guys doing different styles of dynasty drafts. We'll be doing the same thing for redraft. Mung, we talk about dynasty being so cyclical. It's like how close, and I know you talk about it a lot. Once we get to this time of year, like how much of a difference is there between playing dynasty and redraft? Because we're starting to get that that urge to want to score points. Also, is like the uh, in sci-fi movies when the two – universes kind of overlap and collide right and like in mortal Kombat or something where you can almost see the other universe for a couple seconds and i i talk all the time about how in season my dynasty rankings are more and more similar to redraft rankings because it's all about win now and if someone gets hurt it doesn't matter if they have a three-year window to be great because if you're seven and one and all of a sudden one of your starters goes down you need a replacement so I think a lot of stuff carries over when we get into mid-August, which we're in now, into early September and then in season all the way through the fantasy playoffs. I love it. Yo, guys, let's let's just start this, man. Like, I'm so excited. Snoop's got pick four. I got pick five. Mung's got pick six. The rest of them are going to be auto-drafted, and we're going to talk about the guys that we love, the guys that were values. Let's get it going. All right. Yeah, it's worth noting we took four, five, and six to help you guys out because obviously Jefferson, Chase, and McCaffrey are the easy one, two, three in some kind of order, right? And for some reason John's still in there, but we're going to let him do his thing. All right. Oh, no. John joined the joined the room, a little bit of a boomer moment to get him in there. Um, but, wow, why? 
can we can you skip over that can we let's see yeah, you auto pick. there we go there we go <laughs> jefferson one jamar jefferson one chase two christian mccaffrey three now snoog this is where we we got to think a little bit right the first three absolute smash picks who you take in here at the three spot yeah, so I'm actually on the opposite side of the spectrum with you guys with this. My smashed 103 is Tyree Kill all day. This is a wide receiver that was the wide receiver one all of last year until Tua Tagovailoa went down with all the injuries, and he was playing with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. He still finished off as a strong wide receiver two in dynasty or in fantasy football last year, and this was a guy that put up a career year, 1,700-plus yards, nine touchdowns, and had a ridiculous yards per out run and absolutely crushed every every single metric that you can think of and that you could want in an elite wide receiver. And I expect him to build off last year with a healthy Tua. Tua was on pace to absolutely crush 4,500 yards. He had 3,525 touchdowns in like 11 healthy games. So them two have a special chemistry going on. And Tyreek Hill recently came out about the 2,000-yard record that he's going for. And if there's anybody that's going to get it, it's him, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. Yeah, I like it. So just so you guys know at home, we are doing one quarterback for this, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, a one flex, one kicker, one defense with the smash except um, settings of 0.25 points per carry, 1.75 tight end premium. That being said, you know, you got to fill those three wide receivers, which gets a little bit more difficult, but no bigger difference maker than Travis Kelsey. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey at five. The difference between him and the tight end two, you know, is is pretty massive. So give me Travis Kelsey at five. A lot of wide receivers and running backs I debated in there, but I think ultimately I'm taking that biggest difference maker. You look at the amount of teams that won with Travis Kelsey last year, and it is astronomical of those winning teams that had Travis Kelsey on their roster. Yeah, and 1.06, you know, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago that ADP lag is a real thing. Uh, That's a term that I think I coined. We'll see. Um, Maybe someone else beat me to it, but I haven't heard it out there anywhere where where a player starts in the offseason, his ADP, impacts how much it really moves, right? Because obviously injuries happen or hype happens and they get pushed up or down, but their original starting ADP always kind of anchors that. And Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley's ADP was anchored for a long time because there was the potential holdouts. Um, People weren't sure if he was going to play for the Giants or play at all this year. But when he was healthy last year, he was a top five running back. The contract isn't an issue. It sounds like he's going to play. He's in a contract year, and the Giants are already talking about how they want to continue using him heavily as a receiver, which is huge in PPR and half PPR formats. So, I think he's terribly mispriced right now. He deserves to be a top five overall pick, and I will gladly take him if he falls to the second half of the first round. I love that pick and so much. It's, that it's not the good pick. Mung, how close? You know, it's not the consensus there. Like that's can mute the sounds. just it. It's not the consensus there. Another boomer moment. You know what I mean? We do our thing. Um, hmm. It's you know Saquon's not the consensus there. A lot of people would say Cup or or Eckler is. You know. We talk about it in Dynasty. Sometimes we we try not to think with our emotions or move into that area. But in in redraft, I mean, it's one year. You know, like we're not – there's a lot less to put in there. Like when you believe in Saquon Barkley for 2023, it doesn't matter what the age is. It doesn't matter, you know, in those kind of situations. You were on the clock again just to go over that. Seven was Eckler. Eight was Cup. Nine, Brown. Ten, my man B. John Robinson. Mahomes went 11. Diggs, 12. 
Chubb, Lamb, Jacobs, Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, who I really wanted in the second round. And now you're on the clock again, brother. Yeah, and for me, I actually have A.J. Brown and Tyree Kill over Cup and Kelsey this year in redraft. And part of that reason is because I do believe in year two of the Dolphins offense under Mike McDaniel. And I love Tyree Kill at four. He is my 104 ranked in redraft. And I love Jalen Waddell as well. I think the Dolphins are going to really shock people this year. I love that. I, I don't because that's who I wanted. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to do something that I just, I just, no, man. You, you sniped me right there. That was really what I wanted <laughs> to go with. You know, I, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to go with a bully tight end format. I'm going to take Mark Andrews. It's 1.75 tight end premium. Give me Kelsey and Andrews. You know, give me the the tight end one, the tight end two, and we're going to fill in the rest of it. So now my flex spot is filled. I'm excited to have the two top tight ends, and I can make sure maybe Mung and I will trade afterwards because he loves himself <laughs> some Mark Andrews. I, I do love Andrews. With this next pick, I think this is a little bit more risky of a pick, but He's just too damn talented to be falling this far. Jonathan Taylor is a running back that finished the RB1 overall just two years ago. Injury-riddled season last year held him back from that, but this Colts offense has some decent weapons on there, and they're building something over there. Middle of the line, offense, middle of the pack offensive line. A lot of people are trying to say it's bad, but it's definitely not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad, and a caliber player like Jonathan Taylor is going to make that work, so... This is a guy that could have 300-plus touches with ease with a rookie quarterback struggling from the get at, with passing the football. So, mm-hmm. And then right with this next pick, I'm well, going to go. Before we go too far, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is is that interesting play right now, right? Like people are saying in Dynasty, should I trade Jonathan Taylor for like Najee Harris in a little bit? A lot of people are saying like ultimate fade here. But if he plays week one, you got a guy that should go what? I mean, if – if he what we knew he was playing week one and there's no issues, he goes what 106, 107, maybe one. He's in that top ten, you know. So you get an absolute steal here, Mung. When you play it in dynasty, right? Like I'm all in getting a guy like Jonathan Taylor, a guy like Brees Hall because it's the long haul. How risky and how how worried are you that Jonathan Taylor misses time this year? A little worried, <laughs> not going to lie. He's a little bit lower on my rankings, but that's also partially because I'm a little concerned about lack of receptions because we know that Anthony Richardson can run. He can take off, scramble, much like Justin Fields did last year. And because of that, we're not expecting a ton of receiving usage for Taylor. And then add in the fact that Richardson can also steal some goal line work, and that just lowers Taylor's ceiling for me in terms of touchdowns and receptions. So personally, I prefer Ramondre Stevenson, a couple other running backs over Taylor this year. Higgins goes 210. Derrick Henry goes to John, even though he's not in the room. He would love that. Pollard 212. Josh Allen, our second quarterback off the board at 301. Alave 302. Jalen Hurts at 303. And now Snoog, it's back up to you again, brother. Yeah, I'm just going to make this the easy pick because there is a bit of a wide receiver fall off in these redraft formats and underdog as well for best ball. Right after that mid-round, it kind of gets ugly, and there's a ton of running back depth in the mid-round. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to take an elite wide receiver in Devontae Smith, um, the Eagles, and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts didn't even surpass 4,000 passing yards last year. Yeah, Devontae Smith was a top-10 wide receiver. And 
even though people like to use the Dallas Goddard excuse, Devontae Smith was still an elite wide receiver, putting out 15 points per game while Dallas Goddard was there. So I'm not worried about Dallas Goddard being there. And if there is an injury to that offense in that passing game, again, then Devontae Smith has an incredible ceiling with Jalen Hurts in year three. So I'm all in on Devontae Smith yet again because he's such a phenomenal player and he's an elite slot wide receiver and they like to motion him around in that formation. Ooh, see, I don't like either of you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I love you guys for Dynasty. You guys take both my wide receivers right before me. You know, it, it happens. You know, we're, we're just going to play with it. I'm not even not even worried there. Um, Devonta Smith is just an absolute screaming buy for me in Dynasty. I'm all over him. I want him in redraft as well, and I'm not super thrilled you took him there. Uh, let's move on to the next pick here. Now we get to a little bit – you're right. We get into a wide receiver spot where it's like eh, – it's a little bit dicey, right? We got to start – trying to pick which is going to be our guy out of that group, who's going to be, who's going to start popping off. Uh, and then you look at running back position, that's starting to, to fade out a little bit. I am personally, I'm not fading this at all after the, you know, I'm going to go with my man. And I know it, it, like there's a lot of news, obviously, with Zeke, but I'm going to take Ramondre Stevenson here. I feel like with the PPR setting and the way we do things with points per carry, I still think I, he's going to have a, you know, back-end RB1 season. And I'm gonna roll with it. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with you as well. I'm not too concerned about the Zeke signing. He basically takes over, basically, I think, a Damian Harris light role. So similar yes. to what Harris had, but a little bit less this year. So I, I still like Stevenson as a top 10 running back. And here and, maybe this is go ahead. And we know PPR is where it's at. I mean, we look at is there is it a stretch to think that Ramondre Stevenson plays you know, in a Tony Pollard type way and Zeke just gets the, you know, the little bit more of the red zone carries and takes some of that away. I saw a couple of people tweeting, well, Ramondre Stevenson without the the touchdowns or the, the extra work is, is like a back end RB two. The talent is there. I mean, we saw what he can do. He's definitely going to be, you know, that back end RB one. And at this point in the draft, I'm all, I'm fine with him. So you're up. Yeah. And this is a tough spot because I think this year, particularly in redraft, there is a big tier of wide receivers after the top 12 or so guys. And so for me, I'm happy to wait on wide receiver a little bit, especially if I was able to grab one or two of the top guys. And I do consider Waddle a back end wide receiver one. And I, I love Jameer Gibbs, but in redraft managed formats, it's really hard for me to leave without one of those elite quarterbacks because while those other quarterbacks do have great You're doing it, aren't you? ending scores, at the same time, it's harder to predict. And some of those guys are a little bit more inconsistent week to week. I have Lamar Jackson ranked as my QB1 this year. Over I Jaylen almost Hurts. did it. I almost took him to stack with Mark <laughs> Andrews and snipe you. But I was like, ah, you know what? We'll throw him I on. I think with your start, I, I probably would have gone with Lamar. But certainly Stevenson's not a bad pick. And this might be more of a best ball move. But I do love that Jackson and Waddle will be a little bring back for week 17. And do you guys remember the last time the Miami Dolphins faced the Baltimore Ravens, what the total score was? I do not. A lot. 40s, 40s. It was 80 total points scored. I'll that leave, was, I'll leave that was when Tua had that crazy comeback with like the six touchdowns, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember and, that. The board rattles off right after the Brees Hall, Joe Burrow, DK Metcalf. Let's talk Brees Hall a little bit. You know, like in, in redraft, Mung, you know, in Dynasty, I'm all about Brees Hall. He's RB2. Like, honestly, everybody, if, if they're fading anything off of 
a wash Dalvin Cook signing and then him coming off the pup the next day. You know, like for anything dynasty wise, this is good for Brees Hall. In dynasty, how do you see this shaking out? You know, I have a lot of people. I mean, obviously, it moves guys like we thought of Bonaconda, Carter. Somebody was going to fill in there as a as a guy. Those guys are out of the picture. But what does this do for Brees Hall in twenty three? And how you know we talked about Zeke's situation. How do you see that playing out? You know, with with Dalvin Cook's situation. Yeah, I, again, I think Hall's going to have a slow start to the year. That's my read for the Cook signing that they're really going to ramp him up slowly. It sounds like he's still expected to be out there in week one, but he's probably more of a flex play at that point. That said, I do think Hall is still a league winner for the fantasy playoffs because I think at that point he'll be 90 to 100% back to where he was, and that's when you really want him. So depending on how your roster's built, like that CPU team has Austin Eckler as their RB1. I wouldn't want to rely on Hall as my RB1 early in the season, but if he's your RB2 or RB3, I think that's fine. All right. I like it. You're back on the board here, Mom. Yes, yeah, is a tough spot. I just I don't love any of the wide receivers here. Again, I, I see it as a really big tier past that top 12 or so. And maybe this is a little bit too much of a hot take, but you know what? Let's do it. If I can find him. So in a real draft, I would probably wait Ooh, a little he bit. He said if I can find him. This is a, a deep dive here. Depending on where his ADP creeps up over the next couple weeks, I would be comfortable taking Alvin Kamara in round four. Let's go, man. Let's go. <laughs> He's coming high. I mean, I, I mean, time honestly, I would it. take him. I would. I have him ranked. I just updated my rankings, and I have him one spot ahead of Brees Hall because essentially, I would not want to rely on Brees Hall for the four, for first four to five weeks, and I know that Kamara will be out for the first three weeks, but back week four. And at that point, I would have him ranked as a weekly top 12 running back. He has such a high floor because with Derek Carr there, we saw what that offense was in the brief few drives in the preseason, but it was just screen to screen to screen, just getting the ball in his hands, and that's how they're going to do it. Finally have an offensive line. Their O-line was all banged up last year. A lot of their starters were out, and they were playing second and third stringers. I followed them a lot last year because Kamara is obviously my favorite player, but Having Andy Dalton and a rookie Chris Olave making plays for you is not very good. And a lot of the boxes were stacked and they were just shutting down their best playmaker on offense. But now he finally has a whole offense ahead of him and he's going to be able to make plays on his own and have some efficient drives and efficient run game. So all in on him this year as well. I like it. I 17 dynasty leagues. Just one redraft. I'm not the redraft ad anymore. You know, those those days are gone. But when I'm in redraft, there's two quarterbacks that I want. And if it's not Lamar Jackson, it's Justin Fields. I think those guys are guys that are going to absolutely dominate in 2023. And you're playing the, the most upside you possibly can. There's one other guy that I had in that similar type area, but I'm super comfortable taking Justin Fields at this point. Snoog, I left you your guy, man. Yeah, so so it's actually between two two to three guys here for me big time, but I just think this is incredible Joe Mixon value and Yeah. Uh, I really don't I really want to take DJ Moore here, but I'm just gonna take Joe Mixon because that is such a fall for him. And I think with that offensive line, I looked at PFF grades for offensive lines for twenty twenty three and the Bengals were a top fifteen team finally. Last year they were horrible in the run game, and Joe Mixon was super inefficient for that reason. 
Jamar Chase will be back. No more P. Ryan. Mixon caught 60-plus passes last year, so he has an incredibly high floor. And I think he could go back to scoring a touchdown a game like he did in 2021. So Joe Mixon's the guy I've been buying everywhere in Dynasty, especially during all that legal situations where his value was tanking like crazy and you could get a good price on him. But even still now, I'd give out two, three second-round picks for him and go win myself a championship. So the next pick. After that, I mean, we got Hawkinson goes off the board. Um, You know, another tight end move. We got a little bit of a wide receiver run there with Terry McLaurin, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Moore. I was secretly hoping one of those three came back to me. J.K. Dobbins and Damian Pierce go back-to-back, you know, getting rid of a couple more Mm -hmm. running backs there. My man, you are up. Yeah, so you could take this two directions here. So usually in this this range, you could take – um, your breakout wide receiver, my my four breakout wide receivers, or not really breakout, but favorite mid-round guys here, DJ Moore, Terry, Amari Cooper, and Jerry Judy. Or we could take advantage of the 0.75 tight end premium format and take George Kittle, just a tight end that averaged 18.5 points per game with Brock Purdy as the starter. Nobody really seems to know that, and I can guarantee you Brock Purdy is going to be the starter week one. As much as I wish Trey Lance could be the dual-threat quarterback that we once thought he was, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that. At least he's going to need to prove that he can do that. So George Kittle is the best safety blanket for a young Brock Purdy with not a strong arm to feed. And this is a tight end that's arguably one of the most talented tight ends in the past few years in the NFL. So I'm all in on his upside, and he's my most owned dynasty tight end. I, I got real scared there. You know, it was like you, you, you talked about the wide receivers. You guys know Jerry Judy's my breakout wide receiver. I love Jerry Judy for 2023. I, it might be a stretch here, but at this point, you know, not having a viable wide receiver, I almost want to go back. I'm going to be, I'm going to be shopping Mark Andrews on the clock here with Mung. Maybe we get a little bit of, of a, a trade going, but hey, here we go. I'm taking Jerry Judy. I think he's got back end wide receiver one potential for 2023. Love him. So Mung. You are up. Yeah, I know we're starting three wide receivers here, but there are so many wide receivers I like later on that I still want to grab those key onesie positions, right, quarterback and tight end. And here I like Darren Waller a lot because there just aren't many tight ends who have the potential to actually lead their team in targets and receptions. And Waller is one of the few if he can stay healthy. I know that's a big if. But so is, uh, you know, health is kind of a question for everybody, right? There's no such thing as a safe pick. And you're shooting for upside here. And I think Waller can be a top three tight end again if he stays healthy this year. I like it. We got Miles Sanders, Christian Watson, who I love, Drake London. Uh, Trying to see who else we got here because the board's starting to move on me. Oh, man, it's just just flying off of here. Let me have my guys. Trevor Lawrence goes in there. Godwin, Mung, we're back to you. You know, we, we had quite of a, a stretch there. A couple running backs go off the board with Madison Connor, DeAndre Swift. Really was hoping Connor came back. We got Drake London, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts. The tight end started rolling off. Mung, it looks like this year we have a lot more tight ends going early. You know, a lot of people want to get those elite tight ends. I know I went bully right off the bat trying to trying to get two of them, but how much of an advantage is it to have that that top end tight end and how many this year are there for you? Yeah, it's interesting because I think in a real draft without these CPU picks, you might have actually created some value by doing that because it almost forces your league mates to push up the tight ends up their boards, which still leaves you better running back and wide receiver value falling. 
for a few spots. Um, so it's interesting, like playing the psychology, depending mm -hmm. on how well you know your league mates. But I think this year it's really five because as much as I like Goddard and Pitts for their talent, volume is the concern there. So for me, it's Kelsey and Andrews in that 1A, 1B tier. And then Hawkinson, Kittle, and Waller in some order from three to five. I think you can make the argument for. I like it. You're back on the clock, brother. Yeah, coming back here, the reason I took Waller is because I knew that one of my guys at wide receiver would still be here, as he often is. And Marquise Brown is that guy. I know a lot of people like Brandon Ayuk this year. He's still on the board. But I think he's a better real-life player than a fantasy player because of Kittle being there and McCaffrey there and Debo there taking targets, whereas the Cardinals have nobody. Uh, on offense or defense, except for Marquise Brown, who's going to be in plenty of shootouts and catch up game scripts. So give me him as my wide receiver, too. Ooh, you see, both of you guys did this. You went back to back. You're like, hey, I like this guy in that area, but, but didn't take him. I, it's Brandon Ayuk for me. You know, I, I, our guy Nick from the Patreon would be so proud. He loves Brandon Ayuk. He's trading for him everywhere. I am too. You know, I think Brandon Ayuk has top. It was wide receiver 15 last year with Brock Purdy at the helm. I love Brandon Ayuk this year. Snoog, you are up. Yeah, so one thing I want to point out real quick is let's look at the board here. Justin Herbert's value compared to guys like Lamar so Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, all those quarterbacks here. I think there's a very, very high chance that Justin Herbert, Herbert outscores all of those quarterbacks. Uh, he put up 456 fantasy points at 23 years old. Got Quinn Johnson has a healthy old line finally. Kellen Moore coming into LA is going to be a game changer for him. He's going to start to use his arm and his athleticism more like we didn't see last year. So in this type of format, I like to fade the quarterback. And this mm -hmm. is why, because we got three rounds of value on a quarterback that I like better than the rest of them That's huge. Or, or equal with them. So it's just taking advantage of the value and just trying to wait to see how the board falls. Definitely going to be number – I think is in that area to be number one in passing yards for yeah. sure, yeah. you know, with given things. You know, like there, there's no denying the passing upside – or the rushing upside when you talk about Hurts, Lamar, and Fields. But Herbert is is seems to be a value. Dynasty people get it. Redraft people, not quite as much. So you are yeah. up again, my man. There's two guys I really want to take here, but I'm just going to go with – the breakout contract year running back in Cam Akers. The Rams are probably going to stink this year, so I don't know how this pick's going to go, but I really like Cam Akers. Hopefully bounce him back. We saw what he could do last year in a few, the few last weeks of the season. He was like the RB5 in points per game, so this is a guy that I'm all in on as a breakout, especially with his cheap value. Like This is a almost a seventh-round pick. I'm getting a swing at my RB3 that could produce mm -hmm. top 12 numbers. Especially on that contract year, we saw what Miles Sanders, Dave Montgomery, Tony Pollard, and guys like that did on the contract year. So they, the Rams are going to get their most out of Cam Akers, and McVay came out super excited about hopefully getting him involved in that workhorse role and running things through him this year. So I'm excited about Cam Akers. I like it. Uh, we're going to move with John here, who's just wants to make my life a little bit more difficult. He takes Michael Pittman. Let's move our board down here. Michael Pittman goes at the 6-11. Uh, Christian Kirk at the 6-12. Rashad White at the 7-1. Man, I was hoping he falls back. Mm -hmm. You know, Snoog, I know you've been on Rashad White lately. I've been on him all offseason, buying him everywhere. What excites you about Rashad White at this area in the seventh round? The thing with Rashad White is just how 
good of a receiving prospect he was. And he's also a great athlete. I w- I'm just so excited about him playing in that Buccaneers offense. That's not going to be great. So Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback as well, but he checked the ball down the most out of any quarterback last year. And a lot of people say, well, he doesn't have Tom Brady now. Well, he has the best check down quarterback in the league as of 2022. So he's going to be a guy that could catch 60 plus passes with ease. A team that's going to be playing from behind a ton. That's when you get a lot of the check downs, the dump offs and things like that. And that offensive line is going to be better than it was last year. We're going to have Wharfs and Jensen healthy. So I'm excited to see how Rashad White plays in that workhorse role. And he's playing, competing with like Sean Tucker, who was just undrafted pick and Keyshawn Vaughn, who's not good at football. So I'm super excited about Rashad White this year. With this next pick, I hate that the board keeps falling like this. It's making it difficult for me to make this pick. But I'm just going to go with a complete upside pick here and start three wide receivers. Dad's giving me the look. Like, am I I about a sniper guy? No, I don't think you are. I don't think you are here. Um, I'm just going to go with a prospect that put up 1,600 yards in the same offense as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Seventh round value. You can't argue with that. Javante Williams is who I really wanted to take, but I already had three running backs, so. In a star three wide receiver, I think JSN's better than a lot of the receivers that just went over him. So that's just a pure upside pick. And I'll draft safety later on and get some guys like Brandon Cooks that can produce flex level numbers to replace him until he's ready to break out. So, no, I, I do like that. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, I, I, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I thought you were going to take, you know, we, we talked too much about Pittsburgh. So I thought you were going to take George Pickens and think that uh, I wanted him. I'm going to go with the PPR machine, Deontay Johnson. I'm going to solidify my wide receiver core there. I think, I know you hate him, Snoog. I know you do, but I think we, this is a guy that it, it, once we see the positive touchdown regression, once we get to that area, even if he catches three or four touchdowns with the amount of volume and the receptions that Deontay Johnson got, I, I'm okay. You know, like ultimately passing on wide receivers, pretend to get Judy Ayuk and Deontay Johnson feels like a decent value for me. I, I'm really going to be struggling at running back. I and mean, usually I love smashing that running back. So, I mean, like I had it between Derrick Henry and Mark Andrews and with that second pick. Now I'm in an area where I think I'm just going to have to uh, try to fill in and play a little bit more of, uh, you know, zero RB or almost hero RB with Ramondre Stevenson. So Mung, you are up. Uh, how do you go about, you know, like a lot of people in, in dynasty versus redraft, you know, you talk about those three wide receiver sets. How different do you, you know, in dynasty, we, we often play two wide receivers and a little bit more extra flex when it's three wide receivers. That makes a big difference. Yeah. And I like to base my picks depending on the roster I've already built. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause Ideally, I want one of those anchor wide receiver ones. So Waddle's my guy there. Yeah. And then depending on two and three, I like to get one solid volume guy and one boomer bust high upside, high ceiling wide receiver between my wide receiver two and three. So because I took Marquise Brown, who I view as a solid volume play, who also has upside if and when Kyler comes back, but he's that consistent volume guy. So I was actually looking at JSN here, but of course Snoop took him, and for good reason. Um, so I like Deontay Johnson, and I would have taken him there had I taken a more boomer bust guy as my wide receiver too. But I'm happy to take Jordan Addison here because I think I like it. playing opposite Justin Jefferson, he's going to be a little bit inconsistent from week to week. 
but there's still a ton of vacated targets from Adam Thielen leaving, and I do think he has a ton of upside each and every week. You are back on the board here. It's going off in a frenzy here with a lot of running backs. You're back on the board. A lot of interesting pieces here, so what are you thinking? Yeah, based on current ADP, this is a bit of a reach, but I think his ADP is going to continue to skyrocket up the next couple weeks. We're already getting some joint practice hype on Zay Flowers with him just absolutely roasting the Washington Commanders secondary in joint practices. And let's not forget, Washington has a pretty solid defense. They're not the Washington team of old, and they're actually probably, I would say, a top 12 defense in the league heading into 2023, and I absolutely love Zay Flowers. Good pick, good pick. I am in a weird spot here. I really am. You know, like, I, I don't want to be sitting there without a running back. There's, in my opinion, one starter left, and I know a lot of people really are down on him, you know, and they're really trying to project other things. But I think Khalil Herbert is going to crush this year. I think he's going to ultimately be that guy in Chicago, you know, broke off that nice – touchdown there in in the preseason game i'm taking a shot there on khalil herbert snoog all right let's see here and snoog you got to be happy i mean you sat back and you waited on the quarterback position and you know there's still you know really really some nice value on the board In all of my underdog best balls and redrafts I've done this year so far, this has been my strategy in every single one. Just wait on quarterback because look at the board. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to play with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson, and Tua is going to play with Jalen Waddell and Tyree Gill this year. And That's clear path to top eight, top ten numbers. So you could just sit back, wait, get load up your lineup like I just did, and then take your stack. I just got the Tyreek Tua stack. We'll get that value eight nine. Can't go wrong with that. And Jahan Dotson goes with the next pick. John comes in to Sean Watson, another guy I love in this area. Charbonnet, David Njoku. We have John gets oh, Traylon Burks. John I know John's not even here and he's sniping. I thought Traylon Burks is a nice value here uh, at, at nine oh two. You know, you go from he was in that. Sixth round range before DeAndre Hopkins now falling all the way to the ninth. I'm just really happy that you know Team Six took Kadarius Tony, so I don't have to look yeah, at him yeah. on my team. Never want to look Kadarius Tony at all costs. <laughs> don't don't tell Mung. You know, like he might get a little upset about it. But I love this Elijah Moore value. He's getting a fresh start on a great offense with hopefully a bounce back to Sean Watson in 2023, and he's going to be the clear number two option in the passing game. In an offense that should be really good, and that's going to have a top three offensive line. PFF has him great as the second best offensive line going into 2023. So Watson's going to have time to sit back and pick Danny Lyons while Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper are running routes. So I'm all in on Elijah Moore as well as the number two option in the Cleveland Browns passing game. I like it. Now we get to this weird spot here. I'm going to play. Some upside. I've already kind of taken my my roster at the running back position and kept it down a little bit. I am going to go with one of my biggest buys in the offseason. I know Mung loves him as well. Personally, I think he's one of the biggest winners of the Dalvin Cook signing. And I'm going to take Devin A-Chain here at 9-5. You shaking your head, Mung? Like, he literally is – He's the big winner. I mean, yeah, you could take Mostert and Jeff Wilson, but if you're playing at this stage in the draft and you can get a guy that 
has tremendous upside like that, I'm in. Yeah, oh, that hurts because that was going to be my pick there. But um... I love your your draft is like you know crazy predictable. I love it. The guys that you know Flowers and Hollywood Brown and Kamara, Lamar Jackson, Waddle Barkley. I, I love that because it's like every year you just feel like this is my squad. You know, these are my guys. Yeah. I mean, my I love it because I feel like all these guys fall to ADPs that I think are way too low for them. So mm-hmm. it's great that I can grab guys like Waller and Kamara and then still come back and attack wide receivers that I think are perfectly startable week one. You are back. All right. With, we'll, uh, we'll, trade. we'll do a trade <laughs> here for Waddle and uh, Andrews. I need that. I need a stud wide receiver. Yeah. I actually um, – I have a buddy that works for the Commanders, actually, from college, and he was telling me that Brian Robinson, and this is a guy that I do not like. I've been so anti-Brian Robinson, but he told me he's getting all the like ones work, seeing barely any Antonio Gibson, a lot of Brian Robinson in the goal line, Brian Robinson in the passing game. He said that Gibson's checking in on some third downs, but it's all Brian Robinson, and he said that he's looking good, so... I don't know if something clicked in that offense or Brian Robinson's just him all of a sudden. So that's a guy I've been actually going against my past take and adjusting and drafting a lot more of. So I think this value in this range is good for him as well. And Mung, in the redraft, this is an area where we say this is a guy who's just blowing smoke, so you draft Brian Robinson. No, I'm just I'm just messing with you. Uh, I, I know Snoop. Trying to, been... t- trying to make his value go up so I can get the guys I want. <laughs> we all do that, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this guy's still here. I'm hearing good things, you know, in between beers. All right, Mung, you are up. Yeah, I just had to give you a hard time on that one, man. <laughs> um, with A-Chain off the board, so – this is where rankings are subjective and fluid, right? Because I have AJ Dillon actually ranked one spot above Smaj P. Ryan. With the way I've built my roster in the earlier rounds, because I have Alvin Kamara, who's going to be out for the first three weeks, I actually would rather have the immediate production. And I think P. Ryan's going to see a lot of work early in the season as Javante Williams ramps back up. So he's a guy that I love to pair if I'm taking Alvin Kamara, and th- this is who I'm going with here. Yeah, I, I debated him there with A-Chain, so we'll make a trade later. Not, not <laughs> a big deal. At, at, uh, week four or after. How about that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when they you separate the men from the boys, you know. Like a lot of people are messaging me, Dad, what should I do with my roster right now? And I'm like, you got to play out week four. I mean, once we start the actual regular season, you break it into quadrants and you put it into those areas and you can kind of see where you're at in dynasty after four weeks and decide what your direction is. Mung, back on the clock. Yeah. So this is another tough spot because I like Jameson Williams a lot. um, And I have him ranked highest of the available players or at least the wide receivers here. However, again, I, I have to look at how my roster is built, right? And I'm already missing Kamara for the first three weeks. No, so you're I really do it, don't you? want you're another gonna... player who's going to be a zero early in the season and taking up a roster spot as well, right? Because we know there's going to be hot waiver wire ads. So even though I'm tempted to take Jameson Williams here, I'm actually going to go for the double stack and grab Rashad Bateman to go with Lamar and Zay Flowers. All right, all right. I was thinking you were going to take somebody else there. That we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that player in a little bit there. Um, how do you feel when you guys draft two wide receivers on the same team? I mean, I get a lot of guys asking me about that in Dynasty. Snoog, in redraft, you know, 
with when you're in those situations, is there specific offenses you're looking for? Do you try to stack two wide receivers with the same quarterback, or do you just avoid that completely? How do you go about doing that? I've always been super against it just because it, it kind of grosses me out seeing three of the same players, especially two wide receivers competing against each other. But I've been doing it a lot in underdog best ball leagues and more so in redraft formats this year. It's a new strategy I started to do. I've been doing a lot of Joe Burrow because he's been falling in value in underdog drafts with the calf strain injury and stacking him with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. And I've done the same thing with Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. So this is just a strategy that you can do to get the guaranteed number one player every week in that offense mm-hmm. in the passing game. And that those are two two teams that are going to be top five passing offenses and scoring offenses in 2023. So in underdog formats, cater that more. But in the redraft as well, like Mung did, he got excellent value on, I could guarantee you, Bateman or Jay Flowers. One of those two is going to be the wide receiver one and probably have a top 30 season for the Ravens this year for Lamar Jackson. It's definitely not going to be Odell. He'll be probably injured at some point. So I like how he did that. And he got eight and 10th round value on both of those guys. So that's a good value to attack in the late rounds. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, Mung, I know you debated him there. And I, I I like a couple of running backs here. I feel like in this position, now that I have three running backs, we're going to kind of go into that area. But the most upside on the board, now that we're out of startable players, just like when I took A-Chain at nine, I think I, I'm willing to roll the dice on Jamison Williams here because – we're talking about a guy that I can put on the back end, see where things go. You see the next guy that, you know, some of those next guys that go into that area. I, I like, but I think Jamison Williams upside, if I'm willing to wait, is, is much higher. Yeah, so I went with Sky Moore here just because it's an upside shot again. He has mm-hmm. the potential to be the wide receiver one in Kansas City to Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be a 5K passer with ease. And in one of the best offenses ran by the smartest man of all time, Andy Reid. So Sky Moore is just an upside pick here. I couldn't tell you who's going to be the wide receiver one for Kansas City this year, but I would like to put all my pennies on Sky Moore to be the one to be it. So that's a good upside pick for me there. And I'm going to next kick couple, it back. Yeah, next couple of picks. I mean, Komet goes, Kincaid, Geno yeah. Smith, Alan Lazard, Adam Thielen. You know, like when, you, when you're switching from Dynasty to Redraft, you see Alan Lazard and Adam Thielen and Jarek McKinnon. You're like, oh, gross. But, hey, this is redraft. We're changing it up a little bit. Snoog, you are up. Yeah, so I'm going to kick it over and just go double tight end here. Take take my second tight end, Tyler Higby, 0.75 tight end premium. He's the clear number two option in the Rams passing game this year. And with a healthy Matt Safford, this is a quarterback capable of 4,000 yards easily. So I'm just going to take the number two option there. He had career he had a career year in receptions yards and he was, I charted a bunch of different analytics. I just went in and looked at like red zone target leaders, target share, receiving yards, receptions, all that. And Tyler Higby's name kept popping up. So I was like, wow, I never realized how good Tyler Higby actually did. And in this format, he scored 206 fantasy points, which is more than anybody left on the board by a mile. So I'll take advantage of the premium. Mung, I love you, but I'm going to do this to you again, and I, I hate sniping you. I wait. This is the first time in the draft where I've looked at, okay, I wanted to take player X, and then I was like, I debated, and then player Y got back. Ten touchdowns incoming for Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris at this point, given my running back room, I, I'm going to go for it. I thought for sure that was your guy there when you took Bateman because you've been all over him. 
Yeah, so again, this kind of goes to, I, I like how we're doing this mock draft because I get to explain my thought process, which is more important than just who I'm picking, right? Yes. Because you can obviously just look at the board. And one of the reasons I passed on Damian Harris is, again, because I drafted Kamara earlier. And True. right now he's still trending back from the knee injury. And I just mm -hmm. don't know how much I can rely on him in week one, week two. And those are important weeks for me because I have Kamara. Right. And because I need reliable running back production early in the season. So I'm going to take a guy who Snoog is, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this virtually in this mock draft and not in person. Um, but I love Tank's, Tank Bigsby. I, I think that he's going to play a major factor in the Jacksonville backfield. We already saw him get one carry with the ones in a red zone situation in preseason. And I do think that he's going to see a similar role in the regular season see what the, the board comes back to you already. A lot of, lot of uh, let's see, we got Chig, Daniel Jones, Elijah Mitchell, Jacoby Myers, Goff, Dolchich, who I was hoping slides back to me, Boyd, Algier, da Darnell Mooney, Russell Wilson, Dean, uh, Devin Singletary, Rashi Rice. Man, I'm glad they took him in that area. Now we got 12-7, Mung, on the board. Yes, it's tough. Um, generally speaking, I don't draft a second tight end if I have one of the top five reliable guys. But in this range, I, I don't really love any of the running backs or wide receivers. And I think that Sam Laporta just has a ton of upside as the de facto number two target for those first six weeks with Jameson Williams out. So I'm going to take Laporta here also because Waller has had uh, a checkered injury history over the last couple seasons, so it's a little bit of insurance here. All right, I hear the uh, the alarms are going off because of that in the background. So, all right, let's see what we got here. This is an interesting spot, you know, because you're just you're trying to play play the upside, see what you have available. There's a lot of interesting players on the board yet. Um, personally, when it comes to being close like that, I'm, I'm really looking into Running backs with upside, I think, I think I got to do it here. You know, we we talked about the suspension earlier, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot on Kendra Miller. I'm just gonna go with it. You know, I'm gonna load up a bunch of upside running backs on my roster. Also, just I'm just in the middle of Snoog and Mung, so I'm just taking their guys for fun. I'm just gonna take a shot on a guy that I think could score oh, man. Ten yeah, plus touchdowns this upcoming year, just like you said with Damian Harris. Zeke is arguably one of the best goal line running backs in the league. I like it. He's a guy that the Patriots will be willing to just slam on the goal line three times until they get that touchdown. And this is a team that's not going to be able to pass the ball well. And Zeke's going to see probably 200 carries along with Ramondre Stevenson eating as well because Zeke is still good. I know people like to bash him, say he's washed, all that. But I think Zeke is definitely better than Hunt and Fournette. I don't think he's as good as Dalvin Cook still, but he's only 27 years old, and this was a generational prospect coming out of college. He went top five. I like so it. 27 years old seems still young for him, so I think he's going to be a very good role player for the Patriots, and we know how the Patriots are. They use Damian Harris and Ramondre heavy, and Damian Harris scored like 17 touchdowns. So I like the upside pick with Zeke a lot, and he's one of my most owned dynasty running backs for how cheap he is. Back Next pick. Next pick, I have a tweet coming out about this, and I know Ooh. I've been pumping him recently, and I asked Mung earlier about the Chicago Bears and what he thinks, but Roshan Johnson, this is a guy that he has all the aspects that Khalil Herbert doesn't have in the run game. The big body, bruiser, 
breaks tons of tackles. He's great in the passing game, good hands. He was catching the ball a ton at Texas. And he's also great in pass protection. He does all the things that Khalil Herbert can't do well. And I think that they're going to align well together. I think Khalil Herbert will start off as the starter, but I would not be surprised if Roshan ends up being the starter towards the end of the week. He's my Damian Damian Pierce for this year, that fourth round running back that just absolutely crushes value. And I think he's going to be a great player in a team that was put over 3,000 rushing yards up, which was first in the NFL and averaged 177 rushing yards per game. First as well. I know Justin Fields obviously helped those numbers a lot, but their running backs will as well this year. And I'm sure that's why they drafted Roshan Johnson to add into the room. So right now I'm looking at the board and I'm, I'm looking at things and I'm, I'm like, okay, it's pretty stagnant. There's, there's a big plateau here. You know, I took Justin Fields. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and I've been playing the upside. I've been playing guys to stash on there. Cause we got a decent sized bench. I think there is a situation where he comes back earlier than anticipated. I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about him in dynasty everywhere, but I'm going to take Kyler Murray here. And I'm just banking on the fact that I have Justin Fields until the bye week And hopefully Kyler Murray is available after that. If, if possible, if fields goes down, I have a, a QB one right there. Yeah, going back to the Roshan pick real quick, I, I was uh, lucky enough to attend Bears training camp in person a couple weeks ago, and Roshan was getting first-team work uh, as a receiver. So I do think he has a role. Um, they like him in pass protection, and I think eventually he could take over the lead role. I'm just a little more skeptical on him in fantasy just because I don't know how much field is going to check down. You know, We talked about this with John Huck Taylor and the Eagles running backs too. Um, so that's my only concern in fantasy, but I certainly like Roshan Johnson as a player quite a bit, and I do think he could be the quote-unquote lead running back in Chicago by midseason. Um, here, again, I, I'm pretty happy with my wide receivers. I've already got a top five tight end and tight end depth. I'm not going to take a second quarterback when I have Lamar until his bye week. So give me the upside of Jalen Warren here. He already took on nice. a lot of work, even when Najee Harris was healthy last year. And I do think he has top 12, top 15 running back upside if Harris were to miss time this season. Two more picks each. We'll do rounds 14 and 15. Mung, you are up. Yeah, I'm just going to keep hitting running backs here because I think in redraft formats, that's who you want filling most of your bench because they have the most upside if one thing were to go right. And I know he's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, but the Browns did absolutely nothing to address their running back room after Kareem Hunt left this offseason. Jerome Ford seems locked in as their number two guy. I know Kareem Hunt's still a free agent, but it doesn't sound like it's likely he's going to reunite with the Browns here. So I like Ford as long as he's ready, you know, by week one. Ooh, I, I do love that pick. That was that was definitely where I was looking on the way back when I didn't take Warren before. Nice double tap there. Um, man, I got it between two guys, but I, I, I really think, and this is probably more in my dynasty mind, but I do think John Mechie ends up breaking out, out of that team. I think in, in Houston, he's one of my favorite guys to uh, take a late stab on. And this is where you get to that area where it's like, hey, if I got to cut a guy and a running back goes down, I'm in. Monk or uh, Snoog, go ahead, man. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you guys' the thought process here now. It's, this is just prime handcuff season. This is when we just ramp up those running backs and just stash them on the bench because 
Last year, I had a redraft league actually where I did hero RB and I ended up drafting Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard in the 11th and 12th round early on in the season. And my team was unbelievable because of it. So this is when you got to try to shoot your shot on some of those elite and handcuffs. A lot of these guys in this range, Tyson Spears, Clyde, Roshan, Jalen Warren, Jerome Ford, Chase Brown, a lot of these guys here will have the opportunity to be starters in starters in good offenses if their lead backs go down Derrick Henry Joe Mixon guys like that Nick Chubb those are guys that are 26 27 28 years old so there's a good possibility that they can't withstand the durability this year and they could even hit that cliff and fall off for all we know so it's good good strategy to stash those running backs late and early on in these drafts so next I'm I'm just gonna go with Deuce Vaughn here because I think he's the clear handcuffed in Dallas and he does everything that Tony Pollard can do, just the micro version. So I'm going to take that extreme burst and that vision he has and the ability he'll have in the passing game in Dallas if Tony Pollard was to go down. I'm taking my favorite run back out of the three guys in Philadelphia. I'm taking Kenny Gainwell here. I, I think there's going to be a situation where he actually puts up real nice fantasy points. Mung, last pick. It's been fun, man. It, it really has been fun talking about <laughs> Talking about redraft and really just trying to to pick your mind, and I know you do a lot more of that, Mung, than than I do, and this is, this has been a fun experience. Yeah, this is getting me pumped for all my redraft formats uh, coming up. And I was looking at Chuba Hubbard, Tajay Spears, Vaughn, Gainwell, all these guys. And again, going back to my train of thought with Kamara being a zero for the first three weeks of the season. I'm going to roll the dice on Zamir White because I think of all the running backs who are unhappy right now, Josh Jacobs sounds like he's the biggest threat to actually potentially hold out. So I do think that White could see a few games as the starter this year. Guys, that was a lot of fun. You know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to like, I'm going to post this and see what other people think, see what, what they, what they think we messed up on. I mean, I tried something new. I've never played bully tight end going like that, you know, in this format, I'm usually a a smash the running backs early and then load up the wide receivers and then try to find that tight end diamond in the rough. Snoog, what's your usual go-to when you play one quarterback? I mean, I don't, playing any one quarterback so I was just trying to see what this looked like I know you usually wait I kind of jumped the gun a little bit on fields but I usually are you a hero RB or are you a zero RB or you pound the RBs early yeah I think that depends on the format and kind of where I'm placed with my first round pick like we saw here I got the opportunity to take one of my big three wide receivers a wide receiver that I think has wide receiver one overall potential so I took it a different route I took the chance on JT in round two upside pick and then i just took my running back values in that fourth and fifth round. So it depends on where you're placed, but typically I like to go with the double wide receiver stack right in the redraft and underdog mm-hmm. format best ball as well. The wide receivers put up so many points in the leagues passing so much nowadays, and there's tons of running back value in that mid round range. You got your JK Dobbins, your Javante Williams, your Cam Akers, Alvin Kamara has been falling a lot. I know Monk took them early, but so just taking advantage of your board and, Typically, I usually fade the quarterback position like we saw. I ended up getting Tua in the ninth round, and we saw guys like Joe Burrow and stuff go in the third. We saw Mahomes go late first. He'll usually go in the second round. So that's a huge advantage because I ended up getting Jonathan Taylor and Tua while someone else got like Sky Moore and Patrick Mahomes. And we saw like Justin Herbert go in the late sixth round. Someone got Justin Herbert and T. Higgins or Justin Herbert and a Jalen Waddle and the other guy got Joe Burrow and Michael Thomas or whatever. Yeah. So 
that that's what it just comes down to is just being able to understand the value and the point difference, know your board, know your rankings and go into it with a strategy. Don't go into it open without a strategy in mind. So and our guy Skippy, he put a, a message out there. He liked the Jamison Williams pick. He said, I traded JMO yesterday for an early 24 first in a 12 team, 10 team tight end. Or, I'm sorry, start 10 tight end premium. Good deal Sweet. or not. My man, that is a smash except we've been talking about 24 first. I got to give a shout out to another guy, uh, Chris Richardson, he sent me today. He, he ended up getting his first back, which is likely going to be the 101 or 102 for Jahan Dotson and the, the returning champions 24 first. Those are the kind of moves where it's like, dude, if you can do that now and you have the foresight to see those kind of moves, they're absolute smash accepts because we know if you can tell me next year that you can get Marvin Harrison Jr. for – Jamison Williams, or not Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson in a late 24 first. If you get the foresight, you go ahead and do that. Mung, the, again, I, I enjoyed picking your brain, seeing how you thought. I also enjoyed sniping your guys. You know, you were you were getting mine. It was it was a fun exercise. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that we didn't do kicker or tight end here, or uh, excuse me, kicker or defense. And I, I'm fine with reaching on those guys maybe a round or two early, but certainly not round nine or 10. I've seen some people do that. Um, I, I do like attacking the higher scoring offenses just because even if they're scoring a ton of touchdowns, that's mm-hmm. a lot of extra points, right? Um, so I, I think, again, some some sleeper defenses I like maybe. Miami and New Orleans, both of those are loaded on defense but they just don't have the hype that Buffalo and San Francisco get. So that's my final tip with this redraft episode. I got to load up on them kickers, man. Hey, thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.